This is not the dream job, this is reality. I am an actor. The best word I can say about um, describe this was boom. And I think that you are an ostrich. Well, your head must be in the sand. The Premier League is a fraud. A ferret head. Very much looks like a ferret, doesn't it? It's fun, is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Hello and welcome to the Balls Ali Football Show. That's our football show here on Balls Ali, brought to you in association with Ladbrokes. My own name is Gavin Casey. Joining me is Gavin Cooney. Hey, Gav. How are things? Why, oh, do we still well, have, why do we still have Louis van Gaal in our uh, theme song there? He'll live on. I, I feel his, uh, his unique brand of incredibly deadening football has lived on at Old Trafford. It, yeah, you could be right, actually. Jesus, that was cutting. What a cutting way to open a podcast. Coming up in today's show, we will catch up with Stephen Elliott, former guest in this podcast. And friend of the show, going, eternal friend of the show. Absolutely. Going uh, going back a couple of months there, Stephen was talking about Saipan, about Irish players in the Premier League and about uh, the League of Ireland. He's mm-hmm. playing for Drada United at the moment. Uh, they had a good result against Bray on Tuesday night. We also will have a go at grading the Irish performers ourselves, Gav, um, when we're when we're coming out of that chat with Stephen. So it's been disappointing, but we'll get to that later. Actually, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Might not even do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll okay. have weird shit from the internet. That is, and the, also that is the art of the forward cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's going to be controversial. I've seen some of your gradings and I can't. I actually can't believe them. Uh, Ladbrokes Better of the Week will be here. Weird shit from the internet will also be done. Uh, it's been a very weird week on the internet as per and usual yeah. I suppose um, it's been ri- it's a rich load of from which to mine top top football content please don't ever use the words rich load again that was <laughs> we better geez, we better throw to Stephen Elliott before we lose the run of ourselves here it's so early so uh, yeah it was a good chat with Stephen we always enjoy talking to him he's, he's a good crack we'll throw that now Stephen Elliott thanks a million for joining us on the Balls.e football show Harry thanks I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for having me again, guys. Not at all, any time. It's a pleasure. Enjoyed the last one. There was a, a clamour for more. More, Stephen Elliott. You are just finished the uh, school run there, we gather, so uh, you're, you're fairly hectic, obviously, on this yeah. lovely sunny day. Ah, yeah, so had the window down and the tunes blaring, sunglasses <laughs> on, the kids were singing away, so... What, uh, what? you got to do it. You don't get weather like this often in this country, so uh, you've got to um, enjoy it. Important question to start with, Stephen. What tunes were playing? Uh, well, I had a bit of One Direction on was down to the girls, and uh, they, they like a bit of the Harry Styles new song, so they like the chorus of that, and the, the bullet sign of the time, so all yeah. that, they're into the Harry Styles and Little Mix and stuff like that, but you can't help but learning the words yourself and joining in with them, I suppose. Harry, Harry Styles' song, that, that sign of the time song is an absolute belter, by the way, there's, yeah, there's um, Bowie-esque yeah, it's, undertones to that. It's got David Bowie written all over, I think, it reminds me of him so much. Definitely. But, Definitely. I mean, to slightly more important matters, Stephen, we were keen to ask you about Irish players in Premier League this season. I guess the perception has been that our standout international players have been somewhat underwhelming in this uh, ever-globalising Premier League and maybe finding it a little bit more difficult to establish themselves now at some of the uh, clubs in the upper echelon of the league. Uh, How have you assessed the performance of Irish players overall? Have there been any standout performers for you from, from this country? Um, I wouldn't say there was any majorly standout performance in the Premier League as such, but it was the usual. There was there hasn't been really that many players playing in the Premier League. If you, you look down through all the teams, I don't think you got you the likes of Glenn Whelan, who, who's probably a regular. Um, Jeff Henricks seemed to get a regular spot in the Burnley team um, since he's gone in there, but there hasn't been many. There's been even James McLean. He's been used from the bench most times, and he, he he's probably one of our main players at the moment and he not really he's not getting regular football which which is a worry but it doesn't seem to affect affect them when they put on the green short which is the only positive I, I would probably take from it Big time do you feel like uh, I suppose yeah you mentioned it doesn't affect them in the green shirt it is perceived as an, as an issue I suppose because ultimately for a management team in O'Neill and Roy Keane they want to be seeing players playing consistently, not just sort of featuring in cameos or not coming off benches, for example. How sustainable is it really that we could have players kind of not involved at the top level or not as, as much involved as they have been in the past and continue to play well for their country? 
So, well, I think if you, if you look at the national team at the moment, there's a lot of the players that that would start that playing in, in the championship as well. So, I think we have to look at the level of players we've got available to us and, and say to see where we are competing. And the start we got off, got off in the group, I think we're, we're kind of doing quite well considering the players we have at disposal. Like, like you mentioned there, we don't we don't have like players playing in the top teams in the Premier League. Maybe Seamus Coleman before his injury, he was probably our most consistent player. I think he's probably scored more goals than, than any of the other lads in the Premier League. It's probably says all about um, the Irish lads this season in the in the top tier. Coleman is joint top scorer with John Walters, I believe. Yeah. Four goals apiece. Which is which is pretty low. I think it's the lowest Irish total we've had since the turn of the millennium. Like there's lots of players not in the starting lineup, Stephen. Like who's impressed you most or have there been any players that maybe are over overperforming a wee bit for their teams? Yeah, I think Harry Harry Arthur, Harry Arthur's been impressive in kind of the bits and pieces I've seen him. Mean, he's obviously he affects games for Bournemouth like he he kind of stands out for them a little bit he, he kind of plays close to the close to the edge as well which at times has kind of been downfall and that but I thought no I don't think there's anything been any major player where you'd say yeah he's had a fantastic season where you think you'd look to them we don't really have any players in the national team that you think he's our star player and you know that he's our go-to guy the likes of Robbie Keane Damien Duff them type players we don't we don't have them anymore and we just it's up to Martin and Ryan now to get the team playing in a way that that suits suits the kind of the players that we've got. And watch, watching watching the, watching us play at the moment, it's it's probably not great to watch, but as long as we're getting the results, that that's that is the important thing. Ultimately, we wanted to be kind of in the mix for qualifying for the tournaments, and so far it's it's been so good, really. And even the Wales game, looking back, like it, it wasn't a fantastic game, but there wasn't much in between the two teams other than. Obviously, Bale had a quiet game, but he still had that kind of sharpness where he thought he could do something special mm-hmm. with his couple of strikes and that. But I don't know. We we just have to kind of keep doing what we're doing, and I think he's got the lads that have been playing in the championship now down in Cork a couple of weeks training, which will be good because, as well, I say the majority of our back four that will play in the games in the summer will probably be there, bar Stephen Moore. So we might be able to do a little bit of work defensively, which is always a good start in when you when you're playing international football. Yeah, just to ask you about a couple of the individual players. What have you made of Robbie Brady, Stephen, since he joined from Burnley or joined Burnley from uh, Norwich? Like, because he made a great start, he scored against Chelsea, but he's only made five starts. Are you kind of surprised he's found it so difficult uh, to force his way into the starting team? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised because when when you look at Robbie play for for Ireland, he's, he's the one player that probably looks more comfortable on the ball and looks like he may do something with it than any of the other lads. So for him not to be getting as much game time at Burnley is a bit of a surprise, but. It, it, it was a big move from you moving to a new club. You're probably moving your family, move, moving house and all. It's probably taking a while to set in, and he's he's probably figuring out a little bit how how Borny play. It's a little bit different to to what he would have seen at Norwich. So I still think we we will see uh, things will come good for him at Borny. As I said, he'll get a good. Hopefully, the summer games at Ireland will go well. He get a good pre-season, and we may start seeing um, more regular contributions from him in the Borny top next season. Yeah, hopefully. I- of all the players of the Irish players in the Premier League, does anyone need a new, need a move, Stephen? Well, the obvious one is to look at Shane Long. Like it's it's just been humming and hawing about him moving on from Southampton all season. Since Gabbiadini's come in there, he's found himself on the, the bench more times than not. And even even with, when Charlie Austin was fit, he was he was behind him in the pecking order. So he's probably our main striker, and I think he's only got a couple of goals or two or three goals this season, and that. You need you need him to be playing regularly for him to be playing playing well for Ireland because he, he he's the type of player that needs to be playing all the time to get his sharpness up to up to speed with with the with the level that he needs to be playing and I think he'll be very disappointed how the season has gone from a personal level. I mean, and I think maybe a, a move for him could be could be could be a good one for him. In terms of our lack of goal scoring, I mean, you mentioned Long there; he has three goals in the Premier League. I think this season, I think five overall. And he is our main striker, and really, without him, there's kind of a dearth of options up top. Uh, you would have played against Shawnee Maguire a couple of or once this season so far. Uh, like, do you reckon mm. it's it's conceivable that Maguire is a candidate to be called up, given the complete lack of goal scores we have, or is it a little bit too ambitious while he remains at Cork City? I, I don't. It's, it's 
it's going to be it's difficult it's going to be difficult for for somebody in the league of Ireland I think to break into the, the squad at the moment like he's Matt O'Neill and Roy have a, have a settled squad there they, they they like to go with the experience obviously they, they seem to like Daryl Murphy there who's had a an okay season with Newcastle he's had his moments there like so they asked me is Johnny Maguire going to play in the national team in the near future I, I can't see him myself I'm not saying he, he hasn't got the potential to do it in time but at the moment I just I wasn't really too surprised not to see him in the squad I know there's a few noises made over here regarding him um, not being picked for the the 38 man squad or wherever it was but as I said it didn't really surprise me and I think for him to kind of move on on another level, he may have to move away like the other two lads have done at Preston, and obviously Dave, Dave found themselves in the squad. And is it a case of just like the perception for for Ireland's management team at the moment is that you are essentially unproven while you're playing League of Ireland football? Like it, it didn't, as you mentioned, it didn't take Horgan and Boyle long to establish themselves as as regulars now in Ireland squads, having only played so far a handful of games for Preston in the Championship. Yeah, but I, I think it's when you when you go over there. I think it's the intensity and training. Like the, the obviously, it's it becomes like a a real job. I know obviously he's full time down in Cork Maguire at the moment, but I still think the level over there is a little bit is a little your, the standards are a little bit the higher over there. And you, you kind of I think even the lads that have gone over from from the dock would 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 have found that that the level of training and each day and how people go about go about the business over there is a little bit more more of a higher standard and that's that's where, where Ireland need to get to the, the obviously they're trying to improve the league over here but for Maguire I, I still think for him to have any chance of breaking into the squad he's got definitely got the potential he's proven over here the last couple of seasons he can score goals regularly so as I said it just it might take some an English club for, for him to take a chance on him for him to start being recognised by the, the, the manager at the national team level mm. uh, Boyle and Horgan won't be in the Premier League next season unfortunately uh, in all likelihood but there are a number of Irish players coming up with Newcastle and with Brighton and then possibly Paul McShane with Reading which of those Irish players are in the best position to impress next season do you think Stephen? Uh, well I think you look at uh, Kieran Clark at Newcastle I think he's had a really really good season and he, he's, he's played in the Premier, Premier League before so he knows what it's about and I think he's improving as a player he's got a little bit more experience and even watching play now he doesn't make as many mistakes as he probably did when he first broke onto the scene at Aston Villa he, 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 I think he's taken on the mantor of a little bit of an experienced player at Newcastle somebody that uh, kind of a leader for them and I think he's the one that may benefit most from playing playing in the Premier League again obviously mentioned Duffy there as well it can only it can only help defenders improve like playing against better strikers um, week in week out uh, we talk about Saipan Gav I think I think it's the elephant in the room. It's been the elephant in the room for 15 years. It was the 15th anniversary this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously it's weird looking back on it from our perspective. Gav, we we have our own memories. We would have both been in primary school. Mm. Stephen, you were only a couple of years out from making your Ireland debut at that point. What are your What are your own memories mm. of Saipan and watching that entire I mean, I saga unfold? I remember. I just I, yeah. I just I just come back. I was at uh, Man City at the time and. Obviously, it just come to the end of the season there, and I was I was actually in in Dublin when I heard the news. Like I was at home, and I was like anybody else. I was at my mum's house, like I was back visiting for a week or two, and I, I flicked on the news, and obviously you seen the headline: "Kane leaves." You just it was like it was one of them where you couldn't believe it, like because at the time, like like most Irish fans, you had a genuinely good feeling because we were going there with some really really good players, experienced players, world class players as well. The likes of obviously I was in the squad, Danny and Robbie. We were going there, like in my opinion, to compete. Like, and when the news broke out that Ryan had left, had left the squad, it was it was kind of heartbreaking a little bit, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was, kinda, it was, awful. You, you it, it was like you couldn't a... actually believe at the time. You're thinking, surely this could be. You always felt it was going to be sorted before before the World Cup actually began. You know, you just thought, oh, it's a little bit of drama before the World Cup. Yeah. It'll kind of blow over. But I, I think it was when we see when we seen Roy <laughs> walking up and down with his dog in that rascal tracksuit. That's when we knew it was serious. Yeah, like I'm, I'm too young. I was too young at that point to have like related it to like a, a, a breakup. Yeah. But subsequent breakups became far easier because I'd experienced this heartbreak at such a young age. It was like my heart had been ripped out of my body. Unbelievably sad. And, it, and like we were, I remember we were all forced to pick a side. Was it Roy or was it Mick? I mean, did you pick a side at the time, Stephen? I didn't. I didn't pick a side. Like, but. 
I don't, you do, obviously I was involved in the game, not at that level, but it was it was one of them. Obviously, you pick up the phone and you're ringing, ringing around all the lads at the clubs and asking what they think and that. So I think you do, it was kind of more disbelief. I didn't really pick a size. I was just hoping that the two of them would kind of just could they just play? I was hoping in my head, sure, even if they're not friends, they could just kind of get on with it just for the sake of the country. Like, there's a bloody World Cup. I was just thinking, surely Roy would want it. He's coming to kind of a stage where he probably wouldn't have gotten the chance to play him anymore. Or I was thinking he's going to change his mind. And then they were humming and hawing. But remember, there was a stage where he went through where he thought he'd change his mind. He was going to come back. And I don't know. It was just, it was a hard one to take. But looking back, did I take a side that. I probably, I don't know. I probably, I probably would have talked mixed side actually more on mixed side looking back because I was at the stage where, to me, playing playing for Ireland was everything. I was like, you can't walk out, you can't not play for Ireland. So I didn't really pick a side, but was Nick, if, if I'm being honest. And would you've uh, changed or switched allegiances over the years subsequently? Because I think with a lot of people. Uh, it, your initial reaction, even even to some people in Cork, the initial reaction was like, "Oh Jesus, Roy, what are you at?" And then it's sort of over the next ten years. Mm. Damien Duff has spoken about it since on other podcasts. How you know this? His his standards at that point have, I suppose, over the years become like normal standards. At the time, they they might have been a bit loftier than what Ireland were accustomed to, but ultimately, he was just trying to demand more of a, a fairly shoddy setup. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think like now, obviously, after knowing what I know now, they've been playing in the game for such a long time, and I can kind of relate to why Roy did what he did at the time, because obviously he would have seen the standards at Man United, which obviously back then was 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 a different different world to say maybe most clubs in the UK, and they'd kind of uh, he'd obviously come come from like the very best of everything, and I think I've been speaking to a few lads that that were involved in the the meeting at the time, it, it was kind of one of them where he just couldn't accept the, the standards that were there. But at the same time, I still couldn't move away from the fact that they were, I think they were kind of moving on in a couple of days' time. Surely he could have just got on with it for a couple of days. For the like, It wasn't as if it was a friendly game. It was the biggest stage of all. So still even to this day, I, I wonder if Roy has any any regret really. Of, I know he said he, he doesn't have any regrets, but I wonder deep down, does he really think that was the right thing to do? I don't know. Only only Royal know that inside himself. But at the end of the day, you, you, you still even look back now to this day and think, what could we have done if he wasn't the team? Because we'd done so well actually without him. We, we, we would like push Spain all the way in a penalty shootout. And you just think if we had a had like who was probably one of the best players in the world at the time in the squad alongside what we did there, would we have gone that little before that? Well, you don't know, but it just it's still kind of great on you a little. A bit when you look back, as far as I don't know about you guys. Well, we might have been spared the ultimate injo- the un- uh, ultimate injustice of having gone out to South Korea in what we'd say is, you know, might have been controversial yeah, circumstances. My theory was that no one was uh, denying South Korea place in the semi-finals <laughs> of that World Cup. Um, I he- I think I like generally. I think my how we reflect on it now is that we were all losers. Like, I mean, no one won. Bar maybe Triggs, the dog, who got like... A few extra a walks dec- out of it. decent level of exercise and accompaniment for the summer. I think we all lost out. Stephen, I do want to ask you, you're in the interesting position of having worked under both Mick and Roy at Sunderland. And when Roy came in, was there an element of his management that said, this is going to be different to Mick, so I'm going to do it differently to Mick. I'll demand different things of you. Uh, no, he, he was... <laughs> He never really spoke about Mick at all. Obviously, he'd come in and replace him as manager, but, but I don't know. I, I think he kind of purposely didn't really want to make a big issue of the whole we go over all ground with Japan and that. I just remember, like, he never really related to Mick at all. Obviously, we would we played against Wolves that season when Mick was in charge of Wolves, and there was a there was big drama made about the game. Like Molyneux, there was there was about no about it an extra 60 or 70 photographers on the side of the pitch when he both walked out before the game as if like this this had been the fourth time they'd speak they'd spoken since that time which wasn't the case actually because one of our lads from Sunderland had gone alone towards a couple of weeks previous Neil Collins so I think Mick and Roy had a long discussion then regarding that so but you know what the media like you like to kind of create this kind of big big, big drama about oh, no, we're yeah, awful yeah, how they're going to approach <laughs> each other and that but no, it was, it was, he never really mentioned it. He did change a few things. He was a bit different to making certain things, but I suppose all managers have different ways of doing stuff. 
and you've no idea what was discussed between Mick and Roy at that meeting a couple of weeks before that game, hardly. Uh, no, I wouldn't have minded listening in, like, but <laughs> the only the only time actually Roy relate, related to Mick to me was when I was leaving Sunderland. Like, he never never mentioned it, but obviously Mick signed me back for Wolves when I was leaving Sunderland. And just, like, obviously, I, was, I, I got on great with Roy. Like, I had no problems with him. He, he was actually really good with most of the Irish lads there. He kind of, I think he had a soft spot for Irish guys. He looked out for us when we were there. He kind of, he, he had that sense of like similar to his own story you know came over from Ireland and, and tried to kind of just make a living in the game so he always had a little bit more maybe more time for the Irish lads than he than he would any of the other guys but I remember when I left the club he, he said to me sure you'll be back with your mate Mick and Taft now and with that kind of little snigger he does so it was kind of his way <laughs> I don't know whether it's his way of having a little kind of having a little sneaky dig or whatever but take that from whatever way you want but no he was fine he never as I said he never Never really mentioned him in a, in a bad way at all. He must have, for that matter. He must have known you'd picked his site, you, you know, way back when. Uh, <laughs> he, he must. No, I, don't. <laughs> I think he was thinking. I, I was. I was kind of. It was just. A, it was just a weird moment. But as I said, these these things happen in football. But listen, I'm sure the two of them have moved on, and both of them have learned learned from the learn from what have happened. And I think if you if you go back, both of them are very proud men. And proud, proud managers, and I'm sure they both probably would have done things maybe a little bit different themselves. But you, you, you can't kind of change time, and these things happen. But there's still, for me, from an Irish fan's point of view, there's still that little bit of what if, like I mentioned earlier on, because I think Roy at that time was was an outrageous player, and he basically he, he in the in the in the game building up to the the playoff game he basically singularly handled he got us into the playoff for the qualification so to lose him for the tournament was a major blow Big time like Stephen you would have made your uh, Ireland debut against Croatia in 2004 and by that time Keane had already returned in that friendly against Romania played quite well that day what what kind of an impact did that mm-hmm. make and what, was there was it sort of a, a unanimous welcome that, that Roy was coming back or was there a little bit of division there where a few lads possibly remaining from that 2002 campaign might not have been overly uh, fond of seeing Roy again. I'm sure. I'm sure a few of the lads were a bit wary of him coming back in. Like as I said, a lot. They were all there part of the meeting, and Roy made it clear that he wasn't happy with certain players in the squad. How they they kind of reacted to the situation. But no, there was no problem when he came back in. He, for me, as a young lad in the squad, he was good as goal. Like he, he was just somebody that you, you looked up to, and you kind of you tried to kind of take the positives off about what he did in and around training and that. So. I said I was only in the squad a few times with him, and but it was still a great experience for me to kind of ha- to be able to to be in the dressing room and look and see what he'd done in preparation for games. And he was great though, even like in in when it was dinner time or tea time, lunch time, he'd sit down there with the lads and he he'd be telling stories and all, like not a bother to him. So he 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 wasn't he certainly wasn't a bad egg in the group, that's for sure. Interesting. Can we chat about the League of Ireland before we head off? Yeah, uh, since you're last with us, Stephen, you've got a new club, Drahada. Uh, how are things going? Uh, yeah, we're doing okay. It's obviously with the three teams going down now in the league, it's 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 very tight, very tight. When you when you look outside the top three or four four clubs in the league, teams teams are very wary of like getting relegated, and I think that that's probably I think the results this season probably mimic what what that's the case. I think between the top. Well, the bottom seven or eight, I think there's a point between us all. So, yeah. mm. I don't know, one week, one week can take you up at those four or five places where it can be the reverse for the people. We're doing okay. We're, we're, we're picking up points. We probably could could have a few more points than, than we, we do have at the moment, but I'm sure, sure other clubs could say the same. But it's going to be a long season. Nothing's going to be decided early doors. I think it's going to go right to the wire regarding who's going to be staying up and who's going to go down. And regarding... Winning the league, I, I, I can't see anybody catching Cork, especially with with Dundalk up some points again last night. But it's it's certainly exciting outside the top four. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah, fifteen point lead for Cork over the champions Dundalk at the moment. What's it like trying to perform under that level of pressure, Stephen? I mean, with three teams going down and like base pretty much six or seven teams currently in the mix to fill those three places, like that must be tough to deal with at training and on match day, week in week out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not so called pressure. It just means that every single game, like most, obviously you need to win. Most, like you're never going to go into a game and say, "Oh, we need to lose this game." We have it. Like, 
most games you say, yeah, we, we need to win it, but it's kind of take, that kind of matter taken on a little bit more this season because you, most weeks you're playing against teams that have similar points there. For example, we we played St. Pat's, St. Pat's there last weekend and and they they beat us 2-0 and I think they moved from running the point was and they were bought with the league before that. So, it's you can't you can't get carried away if you win a game and it's like you say if you, if you lose a game you can't kind of dwell on it too much because there's always another one around the corner but it does it adds a little bit more pressure pressure to the teams because I think in in seasons gone by and not, I think with only the one team gone down obviously it would have been a playoff then for the the team that finished second bottom but but this season it's just I think managers are maybe a little bit more weary and they might be I think teams may be setting up a little bit more. Not defensively, but maybe a little bit more aware trying to keep the, the back door short because mm. every point is so valuable. Like, we picked up a point last night at Humpe Bray, which we possibly could have won, but the point took us from the bottom of the table up to, I think, the eighth, eighth position, which yeah. tells you everything. It's incredible. Like, what do you make yourself of this uh, new, well, we say new, 10, 10 team league from next season? I mean, this has been tried before and the clubs didn't like it. Uh, so it sort of begs the mm. question to myself, at least, why they're looking to do it again. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's ridiculous to be honest with you. I don't know why they've done it. Like for me, you should have as many teams as possible, possible in the league because teams are going to get bored of playing each other. Next season, you're going to have a ten-team league, and I think I don't know whether people are saying the bigger clubs are saying they'd be playing the the better clubs more often than than the so-called smaller clubs, but. They think supporters are going to come out and watch that more. I don't think so. I think supporters will get bored of seeing the same teams playing each other, whether whether it's the big teams or not. And I think it tends may suffer more than anything with, with the new format. But listen, you just have to kind of go with what's put in front of you. And they're obviously doing it for, for the reason. So it adds a little bit of pressure on, 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 the, on the teams in the league this year to pick up results. But as well, I think for that as well, you look at the... The, the league below that it's just it's like total disregard I think for the the teams playing in the the fourth division because there's only one team going up if, if some if a team all of a sudden wins three or four in the bounce in that league that league is ultimately over and then some of the clubs in that that league will, will probably struggle because fans are going to go and watch games that mean anything it's tough enough to get them out to watch the games as there is but if they're playing games that have absolutely no meaning to them much, what, whatsoever then why would the fans come and watch it so I don't know if they truly thought it through. They, they didn't really ask the amount of people that they should have asked, but they said, I'm not, I'm not making the rules there. So it'll be interesting to see why they've done that and whether it works in the long run. But we, all we can do is just get on with it, I suppose. Yeah, because I I, there was that whole controversy last year about the €5,000 uh, given to help clubs develop business plans and paths. And there's so much drama about Pats not taking theirs and Darcy didn't take theirs either. So it does seem a bit unfair to expect clubs to develop these business plans and long-term proposals and then kind of shift the goalposts and the amount of teams going to be in the league and throw that amount of confusion into into what league you're going to end up playing with and with such um, with such little advance warning. Uh, but that's my that's my own point on that. I don't think. <laughs> Just I thought that was going to be a question, yeah, Gabby. Sorry, no. I, <laughs> it was I, a rant. I great ambitions to make it a question, and then realise near the end that actually I don't have a question mark to put at the end of that. Stephen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million for your time. Yeah, no problem, lads. Any any time. Oh, it was enjoyable. We wish you the best of luck uh, with the rest of the season, obviously. And I think we've only got a couple of podcasts left in our own season, but hopefully we'll chat you uh, during the next campaign. Plenty. No worries. Thanks a million for having me again, guys. Speak to you soon. Take Cheers, care. Steve. No problem, Steve. Great to hear from Stephen Elliott. I like that take on the League of Ireland. I was afraid yeah. he was going to shirk that question, but I don't think it's in his nature. Yeah, uh, I'm sure everyone, including the FAI, who are uh, who are loyal listeners. They are. Hi, lads. Hope you're well. As per usual. Uh, yeah, Gav, we promised that we'd have a go at grading the Irish players. We got Stephen's take there, and I think it might have added some much-needed nuance to our own mm. uh, perspective on uh, on some of these Irish yeah, players. So uh, this is obviously going out as a video as well, but podcast listeners have already got Stephen's, uh, you know, insightful and balanced and nuanced and uh, his analysis of it all. Um, if you do want more balanced and uh, slightly ambiguous analysis, uh, this is not the place to go because we're reducing all of these humans' performances across the nine-month season uh, to the various challenges that they'll all face in both their professional and personal lives, all to a single grade, like a school report. Yeah, your school reports, I'd say, were exceptional, were they? Uh, 
Like, I mean, they were great. Yeah. <laughs> Mine were too. There's no point in me. I mean, that was the only real thing I could take any pride in at school. Like, physically, like, I'm average at best and was very, very poor at sport in school. Um, with friends, I struggled. Obviously, with women, was a disaster. Uh, but my school <laughs> report was exceptional. Um, I realised that we've kind of gone off the point a little bit yeah, well, already. Listen, these guys were good at sport, right? Okay. Uh, or at least they're supposed to be good at sport. We'll kick it off. Do you want to go in order, in, in order of... Uh, the list you provided yeah, us with here. Yeah, let's do that. We'll kick it off with, with Seamus Coleman, okay? It's a bit of a contentious one because he had a very good season with Everton. He also finished uh, the season from right back as Ireland's joint top scorer in the Premier League with four goals. Yeah. So and Four goals, a decent, re- decent return for Coleman. Jesus, uh, And important goals. One, one against Everton. In 26 uh, games against as well, Arsenal, you know? should I say. 26 yeah. games. So you, you presumably would have added to that tally. He had uh, three assists as well. And uh, and also got a broken leg. Yeah, which poor Seamus. But he'll be back and hopefully be back stronger than ever within the next year or so. Um, so we went. We're giving Seamus a B minus. So I'm. I gave these grades. So you're here to. You're the kind of si- well, hopefully not so silent minority to uh, to disagree with me. So B minus for Seamus Coleman. Where where are you getting the minus from? The fact that he didn't finish the season. Do you think it's uh, his fault? For example, breaking his leg. Do you think it's his fault that his leg was shattered in two places in? Well, a challenge that was more akin to assault, really, than anything you're, uh, you, you, we've grown across yeah. to seeing on the football field. I mean, are you blaming him for that? Are you one of those teachers? Are you? Oh, God. Um, uh, congratulations to Seamus Coleman. Got an A-plus in this report. <laughs> Um, the no, teacher honestly, has this, genu- this kind of this teacher has a severe lack of spine. I think I, I'm genuinely like, why B minus? I think this is going to be an interesting one for people. Everyone mm. loves Seamus Coleman. He had a really impressive season. I thought what held him back in your view in the 26 games? Uh, Everton were a little bit leaky defensively. Only three assists. I mean, you'd, you'd expect him to be swinging balls in for Romelu Lukaku a little bit more often than that. Um, B minus, yeah. I think the maybe B I'm minus colored. is fair. No, maybe B I'm, minus is fair. Maybe I'm coloured a bit by his, his missing the missing the end of the season. So like it's the whatever the opposite of a recency bias is. I guess. Yeah. Well, it is a recency bias. And so I think B minus is fair enough. I was just okay. uh, just trying to get to the bottom of it. Okay. Okay. Next up, uh, Coleman's Everton teammate James McCarthy. Uh, oh, ever yeah. the whipping boy for people like ourselves, Gav. Like, I gave McCarthy a D. I, fi- I kind of feel sorry for McCarthy. You gave it him the D, did you? I, it wasn't a good. It wasn't a good season for James McCarthy. I only played twelve games with Everton, um, and then one goal and one assist. Now he's par- he was obviously hampered by injury. I mean, he was quite impressive. Was in a Merseyside derby. He was th- flying into challenges, and mm-hmm. uh, the one at Goodison Park, and the Everton fans were up in arms and in support of him for once. Um, and then got carried off, was, went off injured at halftime, was out for ages, and then ended up at being at the, the centre of this bizarre row with Ronald Koeman and Martin O'Neill. I say bizarre, it was one of the five best things to happen this season. It was hugely entertaining and hugely passive-aggressive. Um, but he's going to leave Everton now this summer. I mean, mm. even like Ross Barkley's going to leave, and even still McCarthy won't find a place in that midfield because they'll, they signed Morgan Schneider and the, like Idris Gay was probably one of Everton's best players this season. Uh, so it was a really disappointing season for McCarthy. I think he does need to move on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I can't disagree with the D there, considering his sort of lack of impact. And yeah, it might be, well, it is largely down to injury, but you mentioned the Merseyside Derby. That was a game in which he played well. The other 11 games, you know, like kind of anonymous. Uh, mm. like that is the problem with McCarthy. But uh, I think a D is fair. Shane Long, 32 games, three league goals. <sighs> I think he just got one like assist, did he? Yeah, one, one assist. assist in the league. Now this doesn't. These are just the stats I have. In, we, the stats we have in front of us are just the Premier League. Um, like he did score that vital goal for Southampton at Anfield in January. Uh, okay, yeah, the stats are from the Premier League. He only scored five goals this season. Yeah, altogether. It's he really struggles, and realistically. Gabby Dini's come in, and if Charlie Austin is fit, he's ahead along in the pecking order as well. I mean, Charlie Austin hasn't played since December, and he's still Southampton's top scorer this season. Now, I think he only gets like six or seven goals, like something really pitiful as well. But Shane Long, realistically, is now third choice at Southampton. His relations are clearly tense with Clyde Puel. Mm. Um, he got, uh, because in a recent game, he went on he went on a substitute and was then subbed off. There seems to be some confusion as regards Puel thought he was injured or something, and then Long just kind of stared him out of it before he walked down the tunnel. He wasn't injured. Um, missed a bad penalty against Bournemouth in the mm. last week, weekend of the season. Was carried off with an injury that he will now miss the Austria game. Like he's Ireland's best hope of goals, and it's just such a disappointing season for Shane Long. I mean, there is there's a stage where he's going to like Liverpool a year ago because his form at Southampton was good enough to say oh you know he could be 
Liverpool's third choice striker. Yeah. But now he's in the position where he's Southampton's third choice striker. It's really disappointing. It's all gone downhill for him ever since it was revealed that he drinks out of jam jars in his home. See, Once we got a glimpse into Shane Long's home and his family life, it just seemed maybe it was that sort of David Beckham thing, that yeah. incredible celebrity lifestyle that we were <laughs> exposed to it seems to have brought his his dedication to his craft, his footballing ability on a downward spiral. Yeah, C minus we've given uh, Shane C-. Long for a I think, season. And to be honest, I think that's fairly generous. Yeah, it's just, and it's not necessarily how poor the performance has been. It's just relative to the expectations that we have. Because he's like he is a very, very good striker. He's the best striker in Ireland. I mean, that Ireland have produced in the last five years or so at a senior level. So, uh, so it's just so disappointing. It is. Uh, oh Jesus! Yeah, Harry Arter. At least um, we can we can. Up our tones a little bit. B plus for Harry Arter. Good been season. Gr- it's been a really good season. He's 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 you know walked the tightrope on a number of occasions, but only I think one red card somehow. Incredibly, yeah. he's avoided so many suspensions. Was it's it Joe Allen? His ability, he, uh, his ability to evade suspensions and and evade getting sent off. Generally speaking, for the type of player he is, I mean, yeah. my God, he is that type of player. You know, yeah. But I mean, he's been player. one of the most consistent and important performers for performers for Bournemouth this season. He's played thirty five out of thirty eight games. I think the rest are probably yeah. mystery suspension. It's odd because he seems to be eternally injured for Ireland, but he's usually fit for. I usually fit for Bournemouth. I know. Mm. I, no, I, I don't. Mm. I don't think that's an Alex Ferguson, Roy Keane dynamic. I think that's that's generally just bad luck on Harry Archer's part. Mm. I even scored a goal this season, although that was in a. I think it was a six-three defeat at Everton. Um, got a couple of assists. I got an assist at Anfield, which in which he he might have scored a goal had yes. Josh King not blocked his shot and, and finished. Um, and Bournemouth finished in the top half. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a really good season for Harry Archer. Like I think. You know an Irish player is doing well when they get their own little segment on Match of the Day on at least one of the 38 game weeks. And uh, he did that, I think, once this season, which means he was at least amongst the, I don't know, maybe top 140 performers in Uh, the Premier League. B plus. He's well up on our list here. B plus for Harry Arter. Fair play to Harry Arter. James McLean, I can understand to an extent why you've given him a C plus. Mm. Because, I mean, he's only had what? How many starts? Three? Five? Six. Uh, six. Only three since the start, since the beginning of 2017. I think six league starts overall. But he has played in 34 games. So yeah. he's obviously one of, he's probably the first choice sub yeah. uh, for Pulis. So, I mean, West Brom are a decent Premier League team. I think they've, did they finish, they finished in the top half, I'm pretty sure. Um, they didn't I drop off they, in the they, end. They, I mean, they finished eighth, I think. I can't remember. I think they were sort of glued to eighth, regardless of what happened from a very early stage yeah, of the I season. Yeah, Southampton ended up seventh and them eighth. I'm open to correction on that. But McLean, he's, he only scored one goal in the league end of the season. But he's a relatively important player for West Brom. Um, regardless of what, what he's doing for West Brom, he's now shown he can do it for Ireland. He's been one our most important player during the club season. Uh, so we ga- I gave James uh, a C plus. You've been slightly less kind to Darren Randolph, who's had a season of of three halves. Yeah, well, I've given Darren a C, like a middle of the road C. Um, he got the starting jersey from Adrian. Like, turn your. Um, I remember doing a story for the site this time last year of uh, X amount of Irish players who needed to transfer away from their clubs, and I thought Randolph, having played in Euro twenty sixteen, um, needed then to kind of build on that and go get first team football. And he seemed to be behind Adrian. He then got the jersey, and he kept on for, kept it for a while. He made twenty two starts ultimately for West Ham. There's only four clean sheets in there. Now, look, it's not all his fault. Obviously, West Ham are a bit of a basket case this season. And I think Randolph kind of mixed the sublime with the ridiculous. And it's best... The, uh, if you remember the game at Anfield, they made this unbelievable save from Jordan Henderson. A uh, shot from about 30, 30 yards, 25 yards. It was going directly in the top corner at light speed. And Randolph somehow threw his hand up and pulled it away. But that was after... After, uh, he had uh, yeah. Pretty much thrown a calamity. A ball came in... Um, Ball whipped in from the left and Randolph came for it and just dropped it straight. At, was it Divock Origi's feet? I think it was. I'm open to correction on that. And Origi scored. And I think that was an equaliser. He's um, uh, the Lewis Garcia of goalkeepers, Darren <laughs> Randolph, in the sense that he can pull off the sublime and you're like, my God, the talent of that man. And then very, very often he'll do things which make you wonder as to how he can be starting for yeah, the Premier League I mean, team at all. He, it does. he conceded directly from a corner against Sunderland. I think that was the long run where Sunderland hadn't scored a goal in about three months and yeah, it was he incredible. conceded too so unfortunately Randolph is back on the bench at West Ham hopefully he'll get another shot but I don't know having got this shot and now Bilic obviously had gone back to preferring Adrian who I think only conceded in two of his what, what X amount games he played Glenn Whelan you've, you've given a, a B minus Glenn Whelan I mean 30 starts for Stoke yes which is um, like if you've got any Irish player at the moment given our current situation like 
any Irish player who's playing 30 Premier League games, or starting 30 Premier League games, uh, is is worthy of some sort of B, I would suggest. Yeah, I mean, like, and, uh, like almost everything that uh, Glenn Whelan does is utterly unheralded, uh, except for those, like, including myself, who say that all his best work goes unnoticed to the point where we're saying that so often, it's obviously going to be noticed. But he's, he's just a mainstay in that stroke midfield, and there's a long list of midfielders that they've signed to try and displace him, and it hasn't happened. Um, okay, Joe Allen will play a little bit further forward, but you're thinking, like, Gianni and Beulah hasn't really knocked him out of that midfield either. I thought he would as long, well. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I would have assumed that he would have as well. Um, but it's just testament to Glenn Whelan's staying power. So B minus, and Whelan can reflect on a very solid season once again. Fair play to Glenn. Uh, next, we're on to Robbie Brady. This one is a difficult one because he arrives at Burnley, a club record transfer, the second Irishman to achieve such an accolade at Burnley in, in quick succession. Mm. Scores a goal against Chelsea on his debut, an absolutely magnificent free kick. My what God, start. Robbie Brady has arrived in the Premier League again. And we were all so excited, but also he played incredibly badly in that game. Like a, one yeah, of the worst even, individual performances like I've seen this season. He was interviewed by Sky afterwards and he said, I didn't play well. I just put that in the top corner, but I didn't play well. And while Robbie's made 14 appearances overall, only five, starts? five starts, yeah. Which is disappointing, like... It is disappointing. But are, are we guilty of kind of, well, understandably, like, hero-worshipping Robbie Brady after the Euros? I mean, he became... Firstly, he gets Ireland's, like, number 10 shirt, even though, yeah. you know, he's playing on the left, generally speaking. Uh, he sort of dragged us through the group stages, scored a penalty against France, kept us alive in that game for a long time. Um, like, it, look, Ireland's Euros campaign wasn't, like, a one-man show, but he became, like, a national icon, really, overnight. Uh, over the course of a couple of weeks, and then maybe we've sort of built him up to be something he's not quite yet. Anyway, yeah. I mean, he's still 25. I mean, we are prone to do that, all right. Look, I mean, it'll pr- it will probably work out for Brady, hopefully. I mean, Burnley will have another season of battling relegation next season, uh, but it's just the lack of starts and how difficult he's found to, he's found it to force in into that midfield. Uh, it gives him a C. Uh, yeah, a C. And one of the reasons he has found it hard is because Jeff Hendrick has normally been in that midfield. Yeah, um, 32 games this season for Jeff Hendrick um, one assist and two goals but one of those goals was arguably the goal of the season magnificent well, goal it was well, the goal of the first half of the you'd season have to, you'd all have the to good be, goals came in 2017 you'd have to be a master debater I, I would imagine to get that argument across mm. the line that it was the goal of the season but a fantastic goal it was um, Hendrick has been like he's been kind of up and down like very often I've said it before if you if Burnley are playing and you check like Derby County fans tweets there'll be a lot of them tweeting at Burnley saying ha Look at all the money you pay. You look at all the money you paid for this guy. And I mean, Hendrick, like, didn't start for much of the season yep. at Derby before he left. So I don't think he's really considered a. Uh, I don't know. A mi- a mixed reviews of Hendrick's time at Derby. We'll put it that way. But uh, the fact that he's played a lot for Burnley is is promising. That's exactly it. Only six Irish players have played thirty or more games this season. So that's obviously a good sign. Uh, so B minus for Jeff. Um, but Stephen Ward. Uh, Stephen Ward, 37 appearances this season for Burnley. And like, they did sign, they got John Flanagan in from Liverpool, presumably his competition for him. And he hasn't batted an eyelid. Ward, no. Wardinho uh, only missed one game, I think that was through injury after he went off against Palace, the game in which Kevin Long, I think, came on to make his debut. Uh, so it was a really great season for Stephen Ward, so A minus. Yeah, unbelievable. Like, uh, pretty much an ever-present. Even sco- um, he even scored. I think he scored in the game against Bournemouth. Uh, Hefe, um scored the goal this season. Well, I've actually, I mean, it's uh, Ward's story has been incredible. We had him on the podcast earlier this mm. earlier this season, and just to hear how he's turned things around. And I mean, you have to remember, like with Stephen Ward, this guy was literally a joke figure, even for a lot of Irish football fans. Yeah. You'd see him starting left back against the likes of Germany, and you're thinking, "Oh my Christ, we're, we're in for it here." But um, it was that Germany game really that I think turned things around from. Like he played really well in that game and just never looked back. Uh, an absolutely brilliant finish to. Or I suppose latter stage of, of Stephen Ward's career. Yeah, um, onto the three lads who got rellegated now. I'm afraid <sighs> uh, we did actually, by the way, skip over John Walters. Um, kind of our joint top scorer uh, with Seamus Frustrating season again for Walters. Twenty three appearances, but only eleven of those from the start. How, it's kind of weird because he's fr- always done well for Stoke when he starts. But at the same time, how frustrating is it? Like, I mean, the guy's thirty. He's a thirty three year old forward. You know, like there aren't many of them that are going to be starting week in week out at that yeah. age. Well, he Peter is quite, Crouch seems to play more often than. But he, but he didn't play the whole season. Like, I yeah, mean, he, he started the second half of the season. Walters is a very physical. Like loves like relishes physical challenges. He's probably a little bit battle worn now at this point. I mean, how many times have we seen him wear a head bandage seemingly for no reason? Yeah. You know, like th- this is a guy who who uh, has taken a bit of damage over the years. And as a thirty three year old, you know, he's running around. He's quite a big guy, like not in any way overweight, but quite stocky. Um, 
maybe, you know, maybe he's just not quite as uh, as mobile as he once was. And yeah, I don't and know. I don't maybe, know if you can expect maybe to play him every week. Soccer Saturday of me, but I feel that Stoke needed a bit more of what Walters brings them as opposed to, well, maybe not Shaqiri, but who's the, um, oh, the name totally escapes me. But I feel that Arnautovic, um, Arnautovic, yeah, the yeah the Austrian guy. Mm. I feel that Walters would have brought them a little bit more. Just a little bit of fire. I mean, they a just bit more phoned, phoned it in for the second half of the season and ended up kind of lower reaches of the of the bottom half of the table. So yeah. they could dome with a bit more John Walters. But he, he will at least definitely be in the Premier League next season. Unlike David Myler, um, one goal in 20 games with Hull for Myler. Uh, we gave him a D. Um, maybe that's a bit harsh now. now well, okay, looking back yeah, at you, could maybe, you could maybe give him a C based on his... Uh, defeat of Mikey Trainer in in FIFA 17. Oh yeah, uh, you know. I yeah, mean, let's change that maybe, to a C. For, maybe for maybe Dave bump Wiley. that up. Uh, uh, he, he, it's been weird because like he's play he's mm, when he's played for Hull he's been okay. Anytime he's had to come in and do a job for Ireland this season he's been really good actually. He's been one of our standout performers I'd say of the qualification campaign so far. But like obviously we're not grading this on on international form. It just seems strange that he seems to at least in the last we'll say six months eight months he he seems to be capable of being a really good defensive player in mm-hmm. in a lot of midfields say any team in the lower half and like then you see him dropped by Hall who are in absolute dire straits and you just think oh Christ like yeah it, it it doesn't not that it doesn't bode well for him because Steve Roos will inevitably sign them next season anyway for Aston Villa's climb back to the Premier League but you know it, it just Mm, I don't know. Hasn't quite worked out for him this season. I mean, he's had a great, he's had a great whole career. You know, won an FA Cup and stuff. But mm. the John O'Shea and Darren Gibson at Sunderland, yeah, I, tainted by the great misery of Sunderland. I gave uh, Shazy a C minus. I think um, you're being uh, very generous there. Do you think so? Yeah. I feel that he's kind of gamely battled the dying of the light, both mm. in terms of his own career and I'm just Sunderland. looking at this guy. It's, it would appear you gave him a D minus. Yeah, I felt that was too harsh, and I've since changed. Oh, it you've to changed C-. it. Okay, sorry, you've gone. Do you, um, do you want to go back to a D minus? No, no, C minus is. is uh, I don't want to give any anything less to John. You know, yeah. I'm not sure if he merits a C minus. This might be a sympathy C minus. I feel that it's a. It's like you don't want him going home to his parents and for them to see that D minus and just saying, John, what have you been doing? Uh, you know, you just don't want him to don't want him to get in trouble like that. And then Derek Gibson, um, 12 games, no goals um, in a Sunderland midfield for which he was signed to add a bit more Britishness, according to David Moyes. Um, Political minefield there. Yeah, and I feel like I've given Darren Gibson an F. I kind of... Ah, that's a bit unfair as well. Sorry, let's let's change the F to... An a e. D, a D minus. An NG. A, an NG. Uh, <laughs> no, a D minus. I don't know, like, Gibson is one of those ones where it's been difficult to probably ascertain how well he's done in the sense that the... Since January, nobody has wanted to watch Sunderland because they're so, so miserable and so yeah. bad. You you turn on a game where Sunderland are playing at the Stadium of Light and everything is grey and people are old and dying in the stands. It's just a miserable part of the world at the moment. And a lot of it is to do with how bad the club is. You know, like I think Sunderland AFC are the life and blood of that region. And it's just been, what is Gibson and even O'Shea to an extent? I mean, what are they going to do? That That club was... On a on a horrific downward trajectory since the start of the season, it it, it becomes like a write off for most of their players. Barini at one point, Fabio Barini gave his Sunderland jersey to a Middlesbrough fan because Sunderland fans were singing "You're not fit to wear the shirt." Like that's their season, really, in a nutshell. Um, Gibson, it, like it, it, in theory, it might have worked for him. It was probably the perfect club for him to actually reestablish himself as a as a decent player. He's still only twenty nine. Yeah, like but I still can't believe he's that young. I can't believe he's that young. I, I also kind of couldn't believe he got a, another opportunity in the Premier League. I, like, I'm not really sure. He had some decent games for Everton, that magnificent piece of skill against Manchester City that he can dine out on for years to come. But, uh, you know, has he really shown that he's a, a he can consistently be a Premier League player? I'm not sure. Injuries have... Yeah. They, they really have plagued him, you know? And yeah. they probably cost him six, seven years of what might have been a great career. Yeah, but, uh, so congratulations uh, are in order for Mr. Stephen Ward, the best performing Irish player in the Premier League this season, Top according to this class. incredibly random list. <laughs> Top of the class, Stephen Ward. We'll have to get him back on because I know he's he's going to want to hear about this. Yeah. yeah, so that is it for our grading of Ireland's internationals in uh, in the Premier League this season. Get double the odds on first goal score with Ladbrokes. That's right, if you're winning first goal scorer scores in the opening 20 minutes of selected live matches, then Ladbrokes will double the odds. 
Available in Ladbrook shops nationwide. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Dunlewy.net. Ladbrook's bet of the week. Gavin Cooney, we have drafted back in Mr. Gavin O'Callaghan to join myself, Gavin Casey and Gavin Cooney. Yeah. We'll go around and search this the record. This has happened before. This is incredible. There have is a three trend. Gavin, have three Gavins ever been in any room before? I'm trying to think. Prob- I don't think so. Am I even one of you, though? The way I spell my name, you know, like it's as if we don't have the same name. Sorry, I, yeah. I, I'm going to cut across you because that is literally the most boring debate imaginable about how the different ways <laughs> we spell our names. And we've had it way too often. Like we've had the exact this exact debate on this exact podcast a number of times. And anyway, you spell I feel like this way. can get confusing for anybody listening, though, because I'm going to ask Gavin a question. And well, it's going we to be the same as what, to what, what happens in the office where we oh, all God. respond. Yeah. And like for some reason after, I mean, it's, 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 it's it is ridiculous. It was a weekend. I think it was might have been Gavin O'Callaghan's uh, first Saturday. It was uh, Donnie in the office and then the three of us and he'd go Gav and then the three of us would kind of bring our heads up yeah. uh, out of the computers like above the power bed. It was very confusing. It's starting to go the opposite way for me now though, because I find he says Gav referring to me and I don't look up because <laughs> I just assume he's not talking to me. Uh, Callaghan, we... Best uh, ignore yeah. We need a we need a better. How did we get yeah. on last week? Actually, better. Uh, we get it shite. Uh, we botched I it took, again. Uh, what you do? So we Gav we keep removing the people who make the right bets. <laughs> yeah, we kind of had to record a day early, so it was uh, entrusted to me, uh, and I back Crystal Palace <laughs> to draw at Old Trafford, God. not realizing that Sam Allardyce said, you know, given up the ghost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, he won two now. They made a lot of changes. United as well. Yeah, you see, I thought rational but, enough thinking. Yeah, but uh, well, I mean, this this thinking wasn't done mm. in, in light of United's changes. So, yeah, you know, it was done far before, far in advance. Mm. But uh, what is our bet of the week? This week um, I was scanning through the Labrooks website. I was thinking about maybe betting on a substitution at a particular time, <laughs> but uh, that unfortunately wasn't an option. So, um, yeah, Arsenal notoriously bad at conceding goals in the head. Um, FA Cup is all, oh, finals just in general are always kind of drab affairs so I don't think there's going to be much just much of a high scoring game so I kind of fancy a defender to score a stingy goal on the break or from a free set piece so I'm going to go with Marcus Alonso to score anytime Chelsea anytime and Chelsea anytime and Chelsea to win which is 7-1 to one. oh is that all it is that's all it is yeah it's anytime though I mean if you want to get my I think he's 14-1 to one to score first okay yeah so like if I you're, like you're that, talking you know. Do you know who he, who uh, who he'll beat in the air? Oh, Hector Bellerin. Everyone. Yeah, he'll he'll knock he'll out Hector <laughs> Bellerin again. Forearm smash him and uh, and not home the winning goal of an, in mm. an FA Cup. Bellerin needs to be hungry there. A proper British goal yeah. on this marquee day for English football. Okay, uh, so there's our bet of the week. Gav, yeah. good luck with that. Jesus, I mean, Mr. Cooney, Gav, you're sticking around for weird shit for the internet, are you? Uh, am I? You are, yeah. Why not? You might as you well. Are, yeah. yeah. Weird shit for the internet. Uh, for the internet. Weird shit from the internet, Mr. Cooney. At Ladbrokes, if one team lets you down on your ACA of five teams or more, you'll get your money back as a free bet up to €25. Euro. Ladbrokes, online, mobile and in-shop. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. Dunlewy.net. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really... Sigthorsson. Oh, my word. Oh... Bertie, oh, I actually don't know what the story was uh, with this Gav. Um, Bertie Hearn, former Taoiseach, over mm-hmm. these parts, appeared alongside uh, or on a show with uh, former Rapscallion. Former, uh, former Taoiseach, uh, but more importantly, former RT Premier League anal- analyst, yeah, uh, Bertie yeah, Hearn. Yeah. Uh, you may remember that he once appeared to, to talk about Manchester United, uh, once one of the most powerful more Manchester United fans in the Western Hemisphere. Um, he's rebuilding his public image, don't you know, since he, you know, Ruined the fucking country, uh, and he appeared on Good Morning Britain with um, uh, with, uh, with Piers Morgan, oh. uh, keeping good company these days. Is Bertie, and naturally Morgan uh, asked him the most pressing. He was on to talk about Brexit and how will, how it will affect Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, the peace process, uh, and all of those matters that apparently pale into insignificance um, when it's compared to the future of Arsene Wenger. That's what Morgan asked for Bertie Hearn. Let's hear what he had to say. I was asked you whether you had a view as a former okay. T-Shock, on the future of Arsene Wenger as Arsenal manager. Are you Wenger in or are you Wenger out? Oh. No, I'm Wenger in. I think he's done an extraordinary job for 20 years. 
you know, I, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but uh, I think the people in Arsenal supporters have been lucky to have had such a great manager. And I can't, uh, I, I can't understand why you'd want to get rid of him. He, he, he is a, a, a great person, great manager, plays great football, and you know, he, he still has a cup final in front of him this week. Well, you know why? Because when I hear Man United fans desperate yeah. for him to stay, <laughs> yeah. that's why. I don't trust any of you. Bertie Hearn, great to talk yeah. to you. Well, <laughs> well, we've had a difficult time since we lost our great manager. <laughs> and long may it continue. Uh. Bertie Hearn, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Bertie, feeling sorry for David Moyes there at the end? God, they are two unbearable I'd... pricks, aren't they? Um, I kind of like how Morgan starts off the question, though, with as former Taoiseach of Ireland, as if that makes you an authority <laughs> figure to talk about this. <laughs> My God, well, I mean, it's the old Declan Lynch line that loads of people are on this misunderstanding that hurling is a national pastime when it's actually, <laughs> you know, going to a pub to watch whatever English football game is on, regardless <laughs> of who's playing. Yeah, that's probably... But, like, I'm kind of surprised that I heard such a fan of Wenger. I mean, maybe, maybe no, it's a he's natural... Just, he's being a diplomat. Maybe he's it's a natural a human instinct to be impressed by who we cannot be. Because, like... Like Wenger is uh, renowned for clinging on with his fingernails to this incredible barrage of abuse yeah. and mediocrity, whereas Ahern is mainly known for his callow fleeing of his job as soon as anything. I thought it was anything funny like, it looked how, like it was going to go wrong. In, in Ahern's mind, there, like the fact that Wenger has been there for twenty years means only that he should stay. You know, oh well, if you've been there for that long, you might as well stay forever. Yeah. Uh, also, I think his um, his take there on like uh, with regards to Wenger staying think probably more born of a fear of headlines like former leader of Ireland calls for Arsene Wenger's removal <laughs> from Arsenal Football Club like you know not very becoming of a guy who's uh, trying to rebuild his public image as you say Gav yeah, although maybe. going on a show with renowned Arsenal Piers Morgan probably isn't the best mm. type either um other weird trip from the internet this is just something that has happened in the last couple of well hours um, oh, we're breaking. We're we're, we're breaking. We're, we're not. We're, we're, we're regurgitating some other shit from <laughs> different internet websites. Uh, Guillermo Varela, Manchester United fullback, who is now 24. Okay. So he's not actually a youngster, as I called him in the post, really. <laughs> I'm 24, and I'm not that young. Uh, he's been... His, his loan at Eintracht Frank- Frankfurt has been terminated. Um, he has made a balls of his loan ahead of the German Cup final of Borussia Dortmund this weekend. His tattoo has become infected and he will miss that game of Borussia Dortmund. So Frankfurt, what? who explicitly mm. warned him not to get a tattoo, have sent him back to Manchester United and ended his loan spell ahead so, of the sorry, German Cup final. Sorry, a couple of things. One, number one is a club can dictate to their players mm. not to get a tattoo. Is that Well, I would say they advised him very strongly. Please don't get a tattoo days before the German Cup final. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, yeah. And His tattoo has, has subsequently Jesus. become infected, ruling him out of the game. And Frankfurt have said, well, what's the point? I mean, if it's only a loan spell, we might as well send him packing now. There's no point in having some guy with a gammy arm walking around the place. Uh, well, for do we know what the tattoo game? was of? Was it, was it at least a, a useful tattoo like Moreno's uh, chimp uh, wielding a gun? Uh, guerrilla warfare. Uh, Moreno, Leroy tattoo. Sane. Did you see Leroy Sane at the weekend? In uh, Sane and the membrane. He has a a huge tattoo on his back of oh, himself celebrating a goal. Yeah, it's incredible. Good grief, and it's so big. Oh, the game's gone, lads. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so Varela sent packing because he's, <laughs> he's got an infection in, on a tattoo. Do we even know the circumstances he got this tattoo in? Because I think he lost his fantasy football when you league. Hear, when you hear like tattoo infections, you can only assume that you got it on the, a really cheap night out somewhere. I did that. You, I did that. He's or kind of I mean, and done it if, for a bit. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is, like you could. <laughs> I thought holiday tattoos were the only ones that got infected. Uh, yeah. Well, it depends <laughs> because, like, I think generally speaking, holiday tattoos get infected when you go into like some horrendous yeah. cesspit of a pool. Uh, you know, in like Ayanapa or somewhere. Um, but I suppose that's it's conceivable that that might happen in a mm. in a club, swimming pool, uh, or ice bath. Fuck it, who knows, lads? Who cares, really? I mean, it was just a, a quick little anecdote there to to round us off. We've got you're we've in got extremely bad form. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm alright. Um, you spoke about regurgitating weird shit from the internet from other sites. Let's talk about the weird shit that we've put ourselves on the internet. Um most uh to be specific uh, our outrageous premier league predictions that we made back in august gav you weren't here for these um 
We make these every year. Now, I was coming in quite smug at myself because mine actually came true last year. Y- you I, absolutely mm, nailed I it last was, year. It was one of my finer achievements. Uh, I backed Jose Enrique to quit Instagram uh, to focus on uh, <laughs> on football commitments. Um, and I'm so looking at a headline here. football reasons yeah. is what you said. September 2015 headline, Jose Enrique vows to fight for Liverpool place after quitting Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that was, mm. uh, like, actually that was kind of scary how you predicted that. Yeah, uh, so emboldened by my success, I backed Liverpool to win the league this season. As I do every season. Yeah. Um, um, that that was kind of a weird way to, to go with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, considering the success of of your prediction last season, to, to kind of revert to type was a little bit... Yeah. Was it like you just couldn't possibly build on the Enrique ones who were just like, I'll phone it in? Uh, there was part of me that was like, jeez, if that came true, maybe I have some kind of god-given gift at this very <laughs> very niche corner of the internet and football punditry. Totally Enrique one was so sp- specific as well I didn't really expect you to come up with the next prediction just to be team to win the league <laughs> uh, you know who did make a prediction in this post by the way at the start of uh, this season just gone was former Roscommon minor goalkeeper and current actor Chris O'Dowd yes he his prediction I'm looking at it here <laughs> uh, a dramatic reunion for Jose and Ava Carnero, that is. I'm really hoping Guardiola hires Ava Carnero and makes a whole show of what a brilliant physio she is when they go to Old Trafford. And he behaves like a real old school gent, like he puts down his coat for her when he sees a puddle and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to, I mean, Jesus, Mick McCarthy said that I think pretty much predicted the world would end. I'm trying to find my own one here. Mark Farley called for, he said, reckon that Liverpool fans be calling for Jurgen Klopp to be sacked before Christmas. Um, He's not right because Liverpool were good before Christmas, but um, when they went on that weird run in January and February when they barely won a game and after they got beat out the gate at 3-0 at Craig Shakespeare's Leicester, mm-hmm. there was a little, it's a little bit of stirring among, among Liverpool Twitter, mm. which is, you know, a, a kind of a rabid part of the internet anyway, but there was just a, there was a hint of... <laughs> we, we, we probably should read out mm-hmm. Mikey's, given that he has uh, contributed so much to this podcast yeah. over the season. He says... What makes this an outlandish prediction is the fact that I'm not a Liverpool fan. Otherwise, it would <laughs> just be a tweet like the rest of them. What? <laughs> I genuinely believe that Mane is a wonderful signing for Klopp's style of play. Mane has proven his ability to get goals and assists with Southampton, but with so much speed around him now and the infamous Gagan pressing that Barcelona decided they want nothing to do with it at that point in their preseason. I don't know what this is in reference Liverpool to. Liverpool just play. They beat them 4-0. I think he's going to be capitalising on a lot of mistakes. I'm not saying Liverpool will crack the top four because they still have major doubts defensively. But I think they will score a lot of goals this year and Mane will, will be involved in most of them. His actual prediction was Sadio Mane to lead the Premier League in combined goals and assists. It was a bold prediction for Mikey. I mean, it, it didn't. the prediction itself didn't come true, but um, his faith in Sadio Mane was certainly rewarded. Uh, Brian Reynolds... Um, Return of the Keen. Oh, he said Roy Keane will save Sunderland from relegation. Which, I mean, you know... I mean, they were t- Sunderland fans were chanting for him. Absolutely. Uh, Don, Donny had uh, Leicester to get relegated. Not, and Did he? Nigel Pearson to get the job after Ranieri got sacked. I mean, I geez, mean that wasn't far off either. Fans. My own one was... Uh, good God. Antonio Valencia to register the most assists in the Premier League and it's be named in the <laughs> PFA Team of the Year. It's a stunningly dull. Prediction. And also to beat a defender for the first time since 2011. Okay. <laughs> I think that... Third one kind of came through. Like, he wasn't named in the PFA team of the year. Actually, no, it wasn't. This wasn't, that duller, this wasn't that dull a prediction. I was laughed out of the building when I said this at the time. It's just because Valencia's had an impressive season now that you're thinking, oh, that was a shit one. Yeah. It, was, it was actually, I predicted his return to form. Did he not pick up Valencia's players player of the year? From United, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't Did too far have? away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, it was actually, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, um, Connor Neville wants to this parish uh, time to say goodbye Claudio Ranieri resigns after a few tanked up Brexit supporters in Leicester tell him to piss <laughs> off back to his own country he makes the announcement at a tearful news conference at the King Power Stadium he returns home to manage one of the few Serie A teams he hasn't been in charge of yet so the tearful news conference didn't happen and going back to Serie A didn't happen but the Brexit tagged up Brexit supporters Jamie Vardy basically I mean it was a coup <laughs> I mean, well yeah but also the there, was, there were the uh, the absolute Brexit heads in Madrid for the second leg of their <laughs> Yeah. Or sorry, the first leg of their Champions League title, you know, roaring about Gibraltar, a place they only learned existed <laughs> when they picked up whatever shit rag newspaper they were reading during the week. So uh, that was actually a fairly decent prediction from Neville there. Um, yeah. So was that the closest coming? Th- that was probably the best one. No, was I'd say it? mine was probably the best. Uh, yeah, mine, Mikey's. I mean, there were you know we weren't too far off. So I, I think the only fair way to round this off, Cap, 
is to ask Gavin O'Callaghan here, yeah, newcomer well, to this office, for his outrageous prediction for the 2017-2018 Premier League season. Oh, wow. We've put you on a spot here now, Gav. See, I feel like a lot of your predictions were so outrageous because you're all, you were off the back of a Leicester winning campaign, which made you feel like any any team could win it. That's, yeah. that's why you pick Liverpool. I like it? I like that shade. To be yeah. fair now, like Donald Trump is currently the president of America, <laughs> which we probably didn't see coming either. So there is a lot of mental shit going on. You know, so feel yeah. free. You've got complete complete uh, creative license here. Complete. Cre- okay, uh, going to go off my own bat here, and I'm just going to say Rafael Benitez coming into the Premier League, building a half decent squad. Would Newcastle to get into Europe be an outrageous shout? I'd go Europa League. I'm not too sure if I'd be confident like enough that. to go any further. I mean, that's the kind of thing I put a bet on. Yeah, I'd like Yeah, hmm. that could be our uh, bet of the season. Yeah, next season. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm all right with I'll that, put that. I'll put that down in yeah, writing. We'll, and we'll return to we'll return to this when they get relegated and he takes over Liverpool after clapping <laughs> plods. Uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for this week, boys. Well done. Uh, enjoyed it. Thanks again to Stephen Elliott. That was a good chat with Stephen. Our thanks, as per usual, go to Ladbrokes. We're not quite done for the season yet. I think we've got one or two more. Uh, we're going to come. Ireland games. Definitely, yeah, we're going to cover Ireland. Yes, yeah. a great extent. So we will be uh, continuing on into June. Thanks very much for listening. A reminder: you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and any podcast provider on Android or otherwise. Uh, simply search Balls League Football. Generally speaking, it'll come up, and uh, that is it. Cheers. <laughs>